Well, should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. You know how you feel after a couple of glass of bubbles? You're confident, you're self-assured, and you're ready to take on the world? Imagine if you had the strength and awareness to do that when the buzz wears off. I'm Heidi Anderson, author, former radio host, and CEO of my own company. And this podcast is about building your confidence by stepping outside your comfort zone. Welcome to Champagne Confidence. Brianna, Miss Mindset, how would you describe yourself? Oh, how would I describe myself? I would say I actually, if, it's funny, it, it would depend who you ask. And I was just hearing my fiance's voice in my head then just saying like chaos. <laughs> That's actually what came up when you said that. <laughs> I would say I am. I'm a little bit excitable. Like I'm a very excitable person. I think at my soul, I'm a very adventurous person. And I think mm-hmm. for the first few years of adulthood, that actually was really frustrating because I felt like I was more of a flaky person that couldn't decide what I wanted to do because I wanted to do everything. But that's mm-hmm. actually, that's just me. I want to do everything. I want to be trialing lots of different things. I'm very adventurous by nature, very creative, very creative, like anything that's creative and like a creative person, you can lose interest fast and change things. Yes. So, <laughs> that's me, just creative chaos. <laughs> I love creative chaos. Well, welcome to the program. Oh, program. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me in your program. <laughs> Felt like I just went back to radio for a second. Like, welcome yeah. to the program. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love always hearing what other people say. And then I usually follow it up with someone that, you know, that loves you. Like, how would they describe you as well? Mm, I think chaos, definitely. Yeah. But also just fun loving and very, very caring. Like at the end of the day, I, I genuinely just want everybody to be happy. I want yeah. everybody to win and I want everybody to believe in themselves. Usually, you know, usually I'm the person that believes in people before they do. So I think oh. people who know me very well would say I have a very big heart. Yes. And I love the adventurous side of you too. And if you follow mm. Um, Brianna on Instagram, which we'll chuck mm. in the show notes. You will mm. see that she is adventurous. She just rode, you just rode across Europe on a bike, <laughs> drinking <Yeah>. beers, punishing <laughs> like what were they called? Like the big pretzels. Yeah, oh. that was. It's so funny. I got so many DMs when I was in Europe saying. I'm loving this content, but that looks like hell. Like most people thought that looked like a nightmare, but honestly, what a way to see the world is on the back of a bike. It was amazing. Yeah. You made it look really easy on Instagram. Mm, I could go fucking ride a bike down to Albany right now (laughs) here in Western Australia. It was, but think how, how easy is something like, it's like anything. How easy is it when you're enjoying, like I was so obsessed with the landscapes and we're looking at like mountains and lakes and, you know, all these little cobblestone alleyways where they're like selling pizza on the side and gelato. Like it's hard to like, of course that's going to be easy because everywhere you're looking, it's like, it's really exciting to the mind. So I think it's just like anything. If you're enjoying what you're doing, you probably won't be looking at the difficult part so much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love you. I love you. You're an inspiration. So please go follow um, Miss Mindset on social media now. We always start the podcast with a quiz. It's called Expose Yourself. Oh, God. I know. Okay, so what is your current state of mind? Excited, very excited, very optimistic. I've got a lot going on at the moment uh, in my business, a lot going on. So I'm excited about that. 
optimistic about where it's going. I'd say state of mind too, a little of like I'm in that pre possibly looking at the next phase of life where I may look at being a mother, like all of that stuff's coming up. So the state of mind is like nervous excitement, but also a little bit of, you know, a little bit of like the fear that comes with that too. Yes. Oh my God. I love that so much. Mm. Um, And motherhood, like it's such a, Mm. it's such a beautiful journey and, you know, I'm grateful that I've been able to experience mine, you know, with ease. Yeah. And, you know, it it it's a it's a ride. <laughs> oh. Lately it's been a ride. So it's... whenever someone says they want to be a mum, I'm like, oh, oh do you? <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's so funny because obviously like, I work with so many clients oh. who are mums and they often come to me when they're you know, they've kind of lost themselves a little bit or they've, you know, lost that connection either to their partner or to themselves or they don't know how they don't want to return to work. Like I deal with a lot of mothers when they're sort of at the bottom. So it's like I'm really trying to have to, I'm finding so many pieces of evidence in my mind and on on socials and everything at the moment that can help me rewrite the story because I do work with a lot of mothers who, you know, they're in it, they're really in the trenches, Um, but they all say it's the best thing in the world too, so... Oh, exactly. Like Mm. it's just such the way I describe it. It's interesting that you said chaos today because I describe it as magic and chaos all in one. Like it's the most, especially the newborn stage. And even now as toddler, like it's so magical, like because you have this little person talking to you, telling you these stories like, mum, where where you been? Where you been? I get whenever I walk in the front door and just how he says it. I'm like, he's like, where was you, mum? Oh, he's so cute. He's, I love, you know what? My favourite content of yours is when he's getting his words a little bit balls up. (laughs) Was it a fire truck? Oh, oh yeah, dumb, 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 dumb fuck. That's the one. God, he's yeah. cute. And, you know, it's that kind of content like I started to notice just with like my state of mind. I never used to really, it never did much to me, like watching kid content, baby content, mm. la, la, la. I was a high school teacher for so many years and I love older kids. I love teenagers. But lately it's all that kind of content that I'm noticing this change in me where I'm like, oh, yeah. they're so cute. And look at the way they're learning. And oh. I love your content of Memphis. They are so fucking smart. Like it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like you can't I just every day I'm amazed at what he's learning, what he's yeah. um, you know, saying. Like just it's incredible their brains is oh. and I was like, that was us too. Yeah. That was us too. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, those first seven years are actually the most important in terms of who you're going to become as an adult. It's Mm -hmm. all done in the first seven years. And, you know, the more I learn about mindset, the more I learn about all of that, the more I'm like, oh, having a kid in those first seven years is really where the magic happens. So yeah, I can see how that would happen. Oh, I'm so excited for you. A little little miss or Mr. Mindset. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little thing. (laughs) Poor little darling. Um, So Let's talk about your vagina for a oh, second. Okay. Some big pussy energy coming in hot. If your vagina had a personality of a celebrity, who would it be? Oh. <laughs> oh no. I just had a porn star come to mind. Is oh. that okay? <laughs> what porn star? Well, am I are we talking about my vagina's personality? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Brandy, Brandy Love. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! I don't even know. She's the first porn star that just came to mind. But if it would be somebody that's a bit sassy, it would yeah. have there would be a bit of sass, a little bit of um, yeah, that sassy confidence. 
Yes. Yeah. I've had Susan Sarandon. I've had um, yeah. Constance Hall. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah like who's um, on Sex in the City? Oh, um, Samantha. Samantha. Oh. A bit of sass. So does this mean that you're a little bit um, sexual, like you love, you know, you're quite <laughs> turned on down there a lot? For- well, funny story it's not a funny story actually it's a bit of it there's a big story there and the answer that that's actually been my biggest challenge in life is to be okay there's been you know some that's where I've had to do the most mindset work myself mm-hmm. because there has never been a whole lot of confidence in that area you know when you're younger and you grow up in a bit of a Catholic like you know I went to a Catholic yeah. school I was taught it was bad a little bit embarrassing shameful like you don't want to be slutty all of these really negative labels and so I've been on my own journey you know in the last probably five to ten years only where I had to really let go of all of those stories and shame around sexuality and shame around like even honestly the word pussy that you when you said pussy energy I still feel it in myself being like oh that word I know me too but that's why I'm like this podcast is about unleashing your confidence and for me I'm like yeah when my girl Rosie says it she says it with just such Mm. pleasure and excitement and it's sexy and it's easy and it's confident and I'm like yeah by the time I finish this podcast in years to come pussy is just going to fall out of my mouth and not feel weird (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love that you, you're you so big on exposure therapy and it's yeah. true, like the more you just say it. But, yeah, even the word pussy, it used to really trigger me and it's still I still feel it in my body a little mm. bit. But I've done a lot of my own internal work and, you know, a lot of mindset work, body work, somatic work, healing essentially to rewrite all of those old programs around shame. So it's pretty cool to get to a point where I would say my the, the name would be some porn star or something like that. <laughs> I love that. I haven't had a porn star yet. I never really watch porn, so it's not a, yeah. <laughs> not, uh, this is the thing. People think Griffo and I are like wild and crazy. We're not. We're so basic and boring. It's definitely an area I think we could work more into, but we're on our own little journeys at the moment yeah. because I'm just because I'm so open about conversations, people then I think put kink next to it and it's like, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. People just, yeah, and that's even that in itself. It's like, you know, the word porn and like people don't have those conversations. And I think that's the problem. So many mm. women have got all of this shame around their bodies and sex and sexuality and sensuality and all of that. And it's like, I that's why I loved being a high school teacher. I love talking to my teenage girls and being like, so what do you think about porn? What do you think about sex? What do you think is the right reason to have sex? All of that. Because I never had that when I was a teenager. Mm. It was that thing that you were told like shush up and just like that that's a bit awkward and embarrassing. So no wonder as grown ass women we feel that sense of like ickiness. Yeah. I just yeah, I think it's really important that we do talk about like all of those things. Yes. Okay, so question. Uh do you like female porn or male like not or you know, um man and woman <laughs> together or woman and woman? Because a lot of my girlfriends <gasps> Uh, girl porn. Yeah, I have to say it's the girl porn. It's the girl porn. Isn't that it's, crazy? Yeah, and it's so common. I've had this yeah. conversation with so many of my girlfriends and they're like, yeah, they don't. that's because they don't make porn for women. And mm. so when they, you know, they're not thinking about like what we want to see. Uh, for me, it's just, yeah, it's women are very, very attractive and it's, <laughs> it's women porn for me. Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay, so how would you define drunk on confidence? 
Oh, drunk on confidence to me is like uninhibited. The same like as when you think of alcohol, when you think of being drunk, you don't have that like monkey mind. You don't have that like overthinking, overanalyzing. You just Mm -hmm. don't have inhibitions. And when you are drunk on confidence in a sober way, you're not second guessing yourself all the time. You're just being yourself and knowing that like people are going to love it or leave it and both are perfect. Both are fine. Both are welcome. Yes. Yes. She's Mm. nailed it. That's what my book's about. (laughs) Oh, so exciting. I love it. Okay. Who would you be for a day? If you could be anyone in the world, who would you be for a day? Oh, anyone in the world. Oh, see, I would have said Bob Proctor, but he has passed away. He was my first mentor. So I would definitely say him. I'm obsessed with him and his work and his company and his mission but somebody like him, so probably like Oprah or Tony Robbins, I would just love a day in their life. What they right. do on a day-to-day basis would just be so incredible to see. Yeah, just be a fly on the wall if mm. you couldn't be them. <laughs> yeah, and so inspirational. Like they just, they really impact the world in such a positive way. And I think people, anyone who's been in their presence tends to walk away a better version of themselves and believing mm. in themselves a little bit more than they may have you know, in the beginning. So somebody like that, I would say. Yes. Oh my God. I would love to be Oprah as well. Mm, oh. um, okay. What is a core memory that has stayed with you forever? Oh, uh, a core memory. There's a few core memories that have stayed with me forever and they probably impacted my confidence a bit in, in, you know, the first few years of teenage and then adulthood. I remember one year when I was I was in year five and then it happened again in year six. So in year five, you know, at the end of every year, the teachers talk about who won the academic award for the year. So like the ducks or whatever it's called, different schools call it different things. And in year five, I was like named the academic uh, winner. So I'd gotten the most, you know, the greatest grades essentially. And I was so proud and so happy, like so excited because I'd never, I don't think I'd ever seen myself as, I just loved, I was a little nerd. Like I loved school so much, but I just, I was just doing my thing, not really thinking about where I, you know, I wasn't thinking about where I sat in comparison to other students. So I was really chuffed and really excited and couldn't wait to get home and run to the car park and tell my mum and dad. I was just so happy. But when I went to go walk up to the car park, the friends who used to, you know, walk with me, they, none of them stayed and they all walked away and, my little mind, my little 10-year-old mind made that mean that they didn't like it because I'd won the award and there was one or two of those friends that I knew that they wanted the award. So that core memory just stuck with me and I think it's because I made it mean that it's it's not okay to succeed and you should probably just shine, shine that light down a little bit. Um, and the same thing happened the next year. I got the academic award again and I just didn't want it. I remember thinking, I don't want this. It it made other people feel a bit jealous or sad. And I really did take that on. Like I really mm-hmm. took that on as I don't want to succeed. Same thing happened when I started getting solo, you know, in choir, I was a singer and then I started getting the solos and, and the same thing happened. It was, it just caused this really weird feeling. And as a kid, and as I'm such a people person, like, the only thing that matters to me is the relationships in my life. And yeah, that kind of pain when you're that age and all you want is friends and, you know, to belong, that really left its mark. And for a long time, I just sort of would prefer to 
not do well in in the eyes of other people because it was safer and yeah I, oh. I really had to work on that story as an adult yeah so tell us about that because this is your whole mission is mm. to help people um understand their own minds and mm. unleash their their brilliance you know mm. that is like what you show people so mm. how did you get you know to a place of their mm. you know mm to now be coaching all these women in mindset? I had a mentor, so Bob, who I spoke about, and I know you're a big fan of Bob. I, <laughs> Bob Proctor is the most amazing man that ever walked this planet, I swear. And he was my first mentor and he came into my life at a time when I was like, you know, I was still very happy. I will say like I was so happy being a high school teacher, but there was something missing. Like there was just something not quite right. I felt like there was a bit more. It started to feel like everything was on repeat and so I was a bit lost. I was also having a lot of, I, I'm really not impressed with the education system and I, I'm very open about that. We're letting kids down. We're letting parents down. We're letting teachers down. We're not giving kids confidence at all. We're taking yeah. it away from them. So, you know, I was a bit disgruntled and I just knew that there was some reason that this was all, you know, I, I, there was a reason that I was feeling that way. So I ended up uh, being mentored by him and when he first sort of said, if it was like, if you could have anything and if you knew that your success was inevitable and if you knew that you were going to succeed, what would you wish for? And I started like to write all of these things. It was so clear, like it was so obvious and it was like, I'd be Oprah, I'd be, I'd be like Oprah and I'd have a podcast and I'd write and I'd travel and I'd, and I'd speak on stages and, you know, all of these things. And then the next thing that I realised was, the voice and the the doubt that I had was like, but then who would leave me? And then who wouldn't like me? Like who wouldn't like me if I got to be that successful? Who would abandon me then? Who wouldn't, you know, walk up to the car park with me essentially? Mm. And it was all of these moments where I realized, oh, wow, I'm actually a bit of, I'm not afraid of failing. I'm afraid of succeeding. Because in my past as a child, like, you know, as a child, that's what happened. If I did too well, people might not like it and people might leave. And so I started to really see that that was what was holding me back. And it was just a long process of, you know, rewriting my story, looking at where it came from, understanding where it came from, doing all of that, like inner child healing, like really talking to my 10-year-old self, my 11-year-old self, my 13-year-old self and saying like, your success is beautiful and inspirational to people and you have to stand in it because you weren't put here to play small and, I just had to make the decision that my dreams actually mattered more than what everybody else thought of them. So oh. it, it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, and so powerful because I think there are many people who are afraid of success and that's their biggest cock block. Mm, totally. And I think it's more common. I think with women what I've noticed, like, yes, a lot of us, are, a few of us are afraid of failure. But I've noticed with the women that I work with, nine times out of 10 when we really strip it back and it's that tall poppy thing, like every client I've ever worked with has some memory of where they were cut down or they were told they were cocky or they didn't want to be conceited or, you know, like we've had that conversation before, Hides, about being the show pony or like yes, whatever else it is. A lot of women actually are probably more afraid of success than failure because of mm -hmm. what it could mean. Yeah, and it, that's petrifying not to be mm. liked and to be rejected. Mm. Can you hear that bloody dog barking? I was like, <laughs> it's so loud the next door, David's dog. It. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> can't hear it. 
Um, let's talk about the show pony mm. thing. So that is a story of yours. So just give us a little bit for people who may have pressed play today and mm. they're like, what do you mean by stories? Can you tell us like some of the stories that we tell ourselves, which you've just given some great examples, but um, yeah. And then I would love to know about your story about being the show pony. Mm. Yeah. So the stories we tell ourselves, that's sort of the language that I ask my clients to use is, is to call it a story because what we'll often do is we'll say, I'm not good enough because blah, or I can't do that because blah, or it's just the internalization, the voice we hear if we are getting good at hearing it. We'll tell ourselves things and that's what we, ha- we tell ourselves stories. That's what I say to my clients. So what's the story you're telling yourself? And they'll say, okay, <laughs> Brianna, the, the story I'm telling myself is that I can't do this because I'm not creative. And I'm like, okay, so let's look at that story. Is that story a, a false? Is it a, is it a fiction? Where did you pick that up from? Where yeah. did you first learn that? When did you pick that up? Is it true? Like that's the thing. Is it a truth? Is it a fact? Can it be argued? Can we point some holes in it? Like where we just need to start labeling those doubt. They're all, almost always doubts, insecurities, mm. fears, that narrative that we have running on inside of our head every single day. Oh my God, what if I look like an idiot? What if people judge me? What if I get this wrong? What if I can't do it right? What if I, la, 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 la. That narrative is what I call stories because nine times out of 10, that's all they are. They're these little fiction narratives that we picked Mm. up usually as kids or usually as a core memory. um, And it's just stuck with us and we give it power and we can sometimes take our power back by first calling it a story. Um, and so, yeah, mine, <laughs> I've always had this story of being like a little show. Po- I must have been called a little show pony as a kid. <laughs> and actually, I probably was by my mom and dad. And I've laughed about it with them since because I took it as a really negative thing. Like I took it to mean like, oh, like it's bad to want to be on stage. It's bad to want to have a microphone in your hand, like little like show pony. I took it as a bad thing, but, you know, they never meant it as a bad thing. They're like, no, you were a little show pony. We loved it. You wanted to sing. You wanted to dance. I played guitar. I played piano. Like I really did love performance. And my, again, my little brain didn't have the consciousness, the reasoning skills, the development at that age to realise It wasn't an insult. It wasn't a mean thing that they were saying. And so I've just taken it to mean, oh, I'm just like this little show pony that loves to be the centre of attention from this like Mm. negative frame. And when I started to realise that was just a story, it sort of, it did help to get rid of it because there is, I don't know, do you have the same thing? Like if you're somebody that loves performing and performance, there is that sort of connotation that like, oh, she loves herself. Oh, you know, I had to go through this after leaving radio because I think it was just I picked it up from the boys that I worked with. Like I actually liked when people stopped me in the street, especially when I first started. Like I actually liked being, in quotation marks, famous. That's what people would say. And I actually really enjoyed it because (laughs) I had this whole connection. But it was when I started working with these boys that they hated that side of it that Mm. then that became my story. I took their projection. And so then I would get really insecure in public. I had this is where my anxiety, some of my anxiety started to come up. And you and I spoke about this after leaving radio like I then went into the coaching business and all that kind of stuff but 
a part of me just missed being a celebrity, being <laughs> on stage, like creating impact from a different point of view, like where there was a big crowd. Like I, that's why I love being behind the mic. I love, you know, coming up on socials, being on a stage. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, but I've had to accept that, yeah, actually I fucking like it. And me yes. saying it now, like some people might find that awkward or gross or whatever, but mm. I genuinely just loved this you know, this feeling of like having people be like, yeah, that's Heidi Anderson. (laughs) Yes. And there's something deeper than that. Like something that I would always say to myself or to clients is like, it's not the being famous. It's not the being on stage. It's what that gives you underneath. And Mm, so when you're being recognized by people, maybe you're feeling really strong connection to people. Maybe you're Mm. feeling like you've had an impact. Maybe you're feeling like for me, being on stage, it's not because of I'm on a stage. It's because I go into my flow state. Like, yes. And everybody has a different flow state. Some people go into flow state when they're running. Some people go into a flow state when they're gardening. Some people, for me, when I'm speaking and writing, I just feel like out of body experience, almost like I'm just time could, I don't know what happens to time. I'm, I'm in flow. And like, it's not about fame or performance it's what it gives you so it's connection Mm. or it's impact or it's flow state it's it's just something deeper than that so yeah that feeling I would always have this electric feeling and you know um now I do my my pro my neuro linguistic programming and I like tap into that feeling as soon as like I finish Mm. a podcast or whatever so that I can have that feeling you know when I need it um people struggle but yeah I love that so much and I think that's so powerful because again it's one of those things that, you know, those stories that we could tell ourselves that we, you know, that we don't deserve that success or, mm. you know, people will think we're egotistical dickheads because we think that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that would be their story and that's, that's none of our problem. Story. Yeah. Stop projecting, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got two NLP practitioners in here. <laughs> oh, um, okay. So let's talk more about you. I want to go to a sh- moment in your life where you had a champagne confidence breakthrough where, you know, maybe there was a time where it was, you know, there was a struggle and then, you you know, as we like to say, sometimes potentially the breakdowns and they lead to the breakthroughs. Mm. Um, do you have one for champagne confidence? Yeah, it's definitely when I did walk. So when I first walked away from the education system, I started to build my business and it actually started out. So my business started out being basically a mindset coach for teenage girls. And part of that, I was like, I really want to do a lot of writing and speaking inside of my business. And so I started going to high schools and doing like, you know, presentations at assemblies or in their halls about confidence or resilience or but like, you know, whatever it Love is, that. sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever they need to hear, I was there to talk about it. Um, and I noticed, I really noticed when I would get the booking and I would get a school to book me in and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've done it. I can't believe I'm getting paid to speak about things that I'm passionate about and it's happening. But then I would have this sense of dread the whole time, the whole time leading up to it, I would feel so much dread and it was that feeling of like, oh, gosh, what if I get it? You know, it was all those negative stories. What if I la, 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 la. Mm. And I had this breakthrough moment when I was on stage where, you know, those moments, though, sometimes you have those moments 
where you're doing something or you're with a certain person and in the moment you have the thought, fuck, I love this. Like, yes. fuck, this is a good moment. Like, oh, like that in the moment you ha- you, you're aware of the fact that you're like, this is so incredible or I fucking love this person or I just love this. I had that moment on stage where I was like, I could do, I love this so much. Like, I love this. And the breakthrough for me was like, this is way, way, way better than this is where I need to put my focus and my intention and all of my attention needs to be here instead of the dread that I felt with what if I stuff it up or forget what I meant Mm. to say or what if some of the kids don't, you know, because high school kids, man, in terms of like building your own resilience as a speaker, go to high schools because they will tell you with their face. They will roll their eyes. They will literally talk to their friends, start throwing airplanes. Like it is a tough crowd. And so when you get high schoolers, you know, at the edge of their seat, you're like, oh, thank God, because they are such a tough one to win over. Yeah. And so in that moment when I had them and I had some of the kids, you know, I remember there was, there's always the naughty boys sitting up the back, the year 11s and 12, and they were, you know, the naughty boys sitting up the back, too cool, too cool for school. And yeah. at the end they were really like, they were loving it and they were really engaged and I just thought I love this so much and I love the impact I've had on these kids and I love being here that I'm not going to give a single breath of energy to all of those thoughts that I had driving here that were making me it was taking away joy. It was making me dread something I really love. And it was that moment on, on, you know, the stage where I could see these kids faces and I could see it was impacting them that I was like, well, that's not getting any more attention. Those, those silly thoughts anymore. Yes. Oh my God. That is so powerful and Mm. so relatable. I know for me, I'm like, Oh, I've felt all those feels. And then you have that moment of like, oh, this is what it's about. This is why I'm here. Yeah. And that's what we need to focus on. So how can we start to to focus on those things? Like what would you suggest to someone who, you know, Mm. is just starting out or is in the Mm. middle of like their personal development journey? Mm. Yeah. I think this is, it's actually a really hard one because a lot of people, when I say to them, and that's the thing, they come into my program and it's usually Uh, you know, the first four weeks we're doing dream life design and reconnecting back to yourself and reconnecting to who you were before the stories, who you were before the world told you who you should be or shouldn't be. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of women, it's actually really hard to get those moments of like, oh my God, I love this. This is who I am. This is what I'm here for. I am in my element. If you don't know who you are anymore, or if you don't know what you love because you've been looking out for everyone else or, you've been doing the wrong thing and you've kind of lost your flame. Mm. And that's where I say like the first thing is actually just to follow curiosity. Don't even give yourself the pressure of like what lights my soul on fire and what am I here on this planet to do? Like what? That's a lot of pressure and people can find that stressful. I used to find that so stressful. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it's like you must, what, what is your purpose in life? Oh. I've only just realized what mine is literally writing this book like yes and and publishing it it's only just come to me now before this you know after this podcast after all these things that I've had success which Mm. people deem success it's only just come to me oh that gives me goosebumps and like people need to hear that because it's it's a process and it's a journey but you don't get there through sitting and thinking and putting pressure on yourself about finding this one bloody purpose we don't have Mm. one yeah but I would say like you start by just following your curiosity rather than 
you know, that one thing that lights your soul on fire. What are you curious about? Like, what do you gravitate towards? What books would you pick up if you were in a library? If you had some time alone with Google, where would you end up search? What would you search? Like, if you porn. could. <laughs> porn. Jokes. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe that I started this conversation talking about porn. <laughs> of course, I do on a bloody podcast with you, Heidi. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, yeah. So start with curiosity and just let your, like, it's like breadcrumbs, follow the breadcrumbs of curiosity and notice those moments, you know, like what, even if you're in a, you know, sometimes the opposite of what I was just talking about before, where it's like, I, you know, you have those moments where you're like, I am loving this. Mm. Sometimes we have those moments when we're in a crowded room and we're like, this is so not it. This is shit. Or I I am not actually comfortable. I can't wait to get home. Yeah. you know, they, they, that right there, even though it feels crap and it's kind of frustrating, or you're at a job where you're like, I wish this would end and I hate this meeting. Notice yeah. that too, because there's so much in that. Like, there is so much we can learn about ourselves through just observing the experiences we're having and the emotional reactions we're having to them. It's all there. So then we just need to start saying yes to more of the things that make us feel good, no to the things that don't. And that's a hard thing because a lot of us are used to saying yes to the wrong things. Yes. Mm. Well, that was a yes to that, not to the. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, God, I love speaking to you. Mm. So people can get more of you on your own podcast, which is called Miss Mindset, um, (laughs) which I've been on. Yes. Yes. Um, We've got to get you on again. We've got to talk about the book this time. Yeah, speak of the book. She's oh, here. Oh, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> I've already ordered it, but it hasn't arrived yet. Well, it's in bookstores on October 18. And so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, how do you feel? It's so cool. Like this feels like that was always going to happen. It's this weird oh. thing. Like I go, I keep going like, is this real? Oh, my God, it's real. Like this oh. is what it's supposed to feel like. And there's oh. so much joy and love in it. And I think that's because I pulled back on so much. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I'm not trying to do 10,000 things to get yeah. somewhere. Like, you know, trying to do everything. I'm just doing mm. focusing on, you know, one big thing at a time oh. and just it's- being in it. And just being grounded. And that's so much of the work that you teach in your program. Mm, And yeah, like, you know, how to level up in your life, Mm. um, which is what I've been doing. So speaking of you, because you went back into your podcast mode for a sec, she was like, I'm interviewing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What what does level up mean? Because, you know, this could mean so many different things to all different people. Mm. Um, For those who want more of you, um, Mm. who want to know like how they could level up their life, what does that mean? It's about just becoming the best version of yourself. And the people who join know that at the moment they've got a little bit more in them. They just know. There's a sense of like, oh, this isn't quite it. I've got something more to give. I've got something more that I'm here to share with the world. Maybe I've got a different relationship out there that would feel more juicy. Like whatever it is, it's just about what would I do if I could have anything? And that's what we sort of start with. If I could be anyone, do anything, have anything, what would I wish for? And then we get to see all the stories that are in the way and we start to really like get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's so much of what my book is about is about yeah. these stories and then the journey of pushing through these stories and knowing mm. that we don't have to believe them, that they're not true. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So true. And I think that's probably the most powerful question that anyone can ever ask themselves is, is this true? True means 100% right, 100% of the time. No, like gravity is true. 
But the fact that, you know, I'm not creative or I'm not good enough, is that true? Is mm. that actually true? Nine, nine times out of ten, it's not. Yes. <sighs> so people can go away. You can go do your journaling now. Uh, <laughs> Brianna does do amazing, you know, journal prompts and that on your just her Instagram. So just being mm. a part of that, being a part of your podcast. Um, I'll chuck all the information where they can stalk you and find out more about your programs. Is there anything you want to leave us with before uh, we finish up today? No, I'm just going to ask everyone to think about that question. What would you do if you knew the answer would be yes? What would you wish for if you knew your success was inevitable? Oh, so good. Mm. Oh, there's so many things. Like, and this is the thing before we finish (laughs) up, like when I was doing NLP, one of the things was I realized that sometimes the, the things that I thought that I wanted actually were in fact not what I wanted because I didn't really truly believe them. And Mm. then I'm like, actually, that's not even what I want. And so that's Mm. a beautiful process of when you go into someone like your container, Mm. like into Brianna's presence and work with Mm. her, these are the kind of things that will come up as well. Mm. So yeah. And it's very obvious. That's what what I'll say. It's very obvious when somebody tells me a dream that's not really theirs because it, it, their whole face is different. You can, and that's when I'll be like, is that really what you want? And it's like, oh, no, that's what I should want. Yeah. I don't. So it's good to even get to know, like, what are yours? What are your dreams and what's everybody else's dreams for you? Mm. And they don't have to be big either. They don't have to be big and bold. Like I have this I have this dream to be an author, you know, but that's only been in the last few years, mm. you know, but that's not for everyone. Your dream might literally just to be have a better relationship with yourself yes. and yes. to see yourself at the beach doing self-care and looking after yourself every day. It doesn't, I think that's what people then sometimes think like, oh, I don't have time to mm. do this and that. And it's like, No, the dreams can just be right in front of you and it just could be you appreciating your life a little bit more and being more present. 100%. 100%. Oh, I love you. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. I fucking love talking to you. It's great. (laughs) Me too. I cannot wait to have you back. We'll definitely get you back. Um, And for those who want to stalk Brianna, I'll chuck all of the deets uh, below. Oh, well, not below, but, you know, below wherever you're listening. (laughs) In the show notes. In the show notes. (laughs) In the bloody show notes. Thank you so much for listening to Champagne Confidence today. The only way we're going to unleash inner champagne confidence in other people around the world is by you getting around the show. So if you are loving it, I would be so grateful if you could hit follow on whatever podcast app you're listening to and leave us a review. It would mean the absolute world. And please come and introduce yourself. I hang out mainly on Instagram at underscore Heidi Anderson. Love you lots.